Right, so we're ready to start the podcast, and in true fashion, uh, we still don't know how to start a podcast. Um, you'd think after five episodes, we'd be sort of getting the hang of it, and we'd have a bit of an idea, but I think, I like I like this opening. I like this cold open. Maybe our guest can suggest something to uh, for our beginning opening podcast. Would, would our guest like to open this podcast? I can't believe us? you're jumping the gun and announcing that we've got a guest before I've announced that we've got a guest. Tough luck. It's happened. <laughs> YouTube guest. professionals are getting no help from me at all. You're on your own for this bit. <laughs> oh. Fantastic. Well, in that case, welcome to Wargamers Anonymous. My name is Josh or Captain Pickle, whatever you want to call me. And as always... I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Elston from Elstonation. Thank you very much for tuning in and checking out this episode uh, of Wargamers Anonymous, your one-stop shop for all your wargaming needs uh, and also food and other stuff. I'd like to call you Sallywag because <laughs> you, like you did say you could call you whatever you want, so I'm going to call you Sallywag. Yeah, I'm going to regret that at some point in the very near future, <laughs> um, As Elston so correctly pointed out in that, uh, smooth introduction. Uh, we do have a guest, our very first guest on Wargamers Anonymous. Um, he is a man that is very close to my heart. Uh, Lovers. We've got, we have got, we have got the absolutely fantastic, awesome, uh, one of the best moderators on YouTube. Uh, we've got Mr. Boffnet. Boffnet, welcome to Wargamers Anonymous. Thank you very much for having me. It is an honour to be the uh, first guest on this, the second highest rated gaming podcast in Denmark. Mm. Yes, yes, it is. It should be a true honour. What's what's the highest rated? I don't know. Uh, Probably something uh, like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something <laughs> funny to say then, and I couldn't think of anything. It's, it's my other it's my other podcast is the highest rated, so that's fine. <laughs> Let's find some Denmark jokes quick. Someone <laughs> just, quick uh, quickly with the Denmark jokes. Someone yeah, Google uh, this. <laughs> Uh, but yes, welcome to the show. Um, if you enjoy the episode, if you like what you're hearing uh, and uh, soon what you'll be seeing, uh, then make sure to leave a like, leave a review, uh, subscribe to the podcast, follow the podcast uh, so that you automatically get updated when new episodes come out um, every two weeks when we do so. Uh, today we've got a, a jam-packed show with plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, but before we get onto that, as always, we're going to jump into what we've been working on. So uh, we'll start with the guest, I think, this week. Buffnet, what have you been working on for the last uh, few weeks? Um, well, thankfully, as it's been Holly Bobs from work, um, I've been able to finish off a couple of projects. I've um, in uh, working with the Discord um, challenge for this month of April armies. I've been writing army lists and finishing off the odd one or two model to get some armies up. So I now have four 2K armies ready with lists fully painted. Mm -hmm. um, managed to finish off a core graph for my corn bloodbound army, Gaunt's Ghost, and a commissar for my. Um, imperial guard nice. army and just a few other little bits and bobs and um some busts and stuff just to uh, keep myself going wow very nice. busy nice very busy indeed big big dopamine hits for uh like finishing armies there that's uh yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. Applause. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's normally and you sort of do plan an army and then they change the points and the rules and yeah. your army goes out the window and because I did have Creed but then some horrible metal person stole him so I then <laughs> couldn't use him again. So, <laughs> uh, um, Elston, what have you been working on over the last few weeks? 
Mm, well, I um, I'm still in my building challenge thing. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I've I'm I'm actually getting towards the end of it now. It's it's quite um, wow. Yeah, I've I've made one one kind of like substitution. Well, exception, what should we say? Um, that some of my space marines for Horus Heresy stuff are not going to get built until Heresy 2.0 drops. So uh-huh. I I am holding that one in reserve for obvious reasons because I'm yes. like yeah so yeah but everything else I am currently in the thralls of working with the the toughest resin kit to date I've ever ever built uh, it's the super heavy walker from Morty and uh, super heavy walker tank sorry and it is hollow so. Wow. Every single part needs to clip together, and the sprue gates are as big as my arm. Wow! And there is there is resin dust everywhere. I've had to get the Dremel out. It's just, you know, when you get, have you ever used a Dremel and you get like the big tip, like the big sanding, like I wheel things? You always got a big tip. I, everyone loves a big tip. Yeah, just just ease through it just just breathe through it it's breathe to clean up afterwards it's a problem isn't it yeah it's <laughs> retraction is a bitch but um right <laughs> oh my uh, god yeah it's it is oh my god it's one of the worst kits that i've ever had to put together um ho- i'm really hoping it looks good afterwards if not it's it's about 250 quids worth of pain right now so wow Mm, yeah oh, fantastic yeah, yeah that's me how about yourself old sally bag uh, <laughs> i have been uh knee deep in age of sigma over the last couple of weeks um mm. the reason we've got baffnet on as a guest is because he is up for the weekend visiting myself and paraquin pickle um for my very first introduction to age of sigma um so short short history lesson I've had the Dominion box or the Orc half of the Dominion box or rather two halves, two sets of the Orc half of the Dominion box sat uh, in my house since it launched. I was super excited for them. I started painting them. Didn't like the colour scheme that I gave them. So it sort of dimmed the excitement on that project. Uh, Since then, I've gone back to them a few times, like four or five times with different colour schemes, trying to work something out. Not enjoyed any of them. Uh, we set a date for my first game. I've been promising Buffnet literally since Dominion came out that he could teach me how to play Age of Sigma. Um, and fi- it was finally set for, for yesterday, for, for Friday. Um, so I was like, this is two weeks ago. I was like, shit, I need to paint an army. Because I don't play <laughs> with unpainted miniatures now. I, I only play with painted stuff. So I buckled down last, last Wednesday's live stream, started painting, and once again, hated the colour scheme that I'd picked. Um, so then after the stream, I stayed up and just anger painted until about half past one in the morning. Um, yeah, I was just so annoyed. I literally just sat in silence and painted until it looked good. Um, Are you all right there, Pickle? No, <laughs> leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, I came up with a colour scheme that I really liked. I went, yep, I painted four of them. I thought, this looks great. I'm going to do them like this. And then I got the rest of them built and then painted them differently. <laughs> um, so I've ended up going with quite a, it's a bit synth wavy, eh? uh, a bit 80s, uh, quite bright, which is obviously my sort of style. And I've got, uh, there's 25 models painted, two two squads of gut rippers, a shaman, a pot grot, and three bolt skewer, man skewer bolt boys. Um, 
played my first game of Age of Sigmar last night, first two games. Absolutely loved it. I lost both games, but they were both very close. Um, and Extremely I, close. Like literally down to one dice roll. Yeah. Um, the second game was general on general in a forest. Uh, both were heavily wounded and it was one dice roll. My, <laughs> when you said general on general in a forest, my brain was going somewhere else. Brilliant. Uh, so that's what I've been working on. And then I spent about an hour last night after playing uh, and after eating Chinese food, uh, writing my 1,000 point list, my 1,500 point list, another 1,500-point list, and then a 2,000-point list. So, so um, you, are you going shopping at Murfield today, by any chance? Uh, we are heading over to Murfield, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> now, whether I buy anything for my orcs or not, I don't know, because... Uh, after I've writing got, a list. Well, the thing is, I've got another 20 gut rippers already. I've got another six bolt skewer, man skewer bolt boys. Um, Do they slot into your list, though? Yes. So I've already got a All lot of them. stuff that I need. Um, All right. But there's so, stuff you need, though. There's some stuff that I do need, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> some of the bigger stuff. Like, I want the big vulture uh, character. Um, and I want some of the, the really big projectile guys. Um, the the be- beast skewer bolt guys, or whatever they're called. Uh, I will learn names at some point. It's Rob. so going to happen this afternoon. It really is so going to happen. He's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. And it is so going to happen. Yeah. So the uh, the other thing as well, I would like everyone at home that's listening to this to also, because I've been p- piecing together an image in my head whilst Pickle's been talking. Imagine Pickle knee deep, as in there is a bucket below his feet in a chair. So there's a bucket <laughs> full of, I don't know, baked beans or something like that. And then buckling himself to the chair like with a belt because that and then anger painting um is my <laughs> mental image i would like everyone else to conjure that image in their I don't head right understand now. where the baked beans came from i don't know you said you said knee deep and i'm just putting baked beans in there so fantastic knee, uh, knee so deep yeah, baked so, beans buckled to a chair so that's what i've been working on uh anger painting and then well <laughs> once the anger painting subsided the rest of it was a lot of fun to do um nice easy color scheme mostly airbrush and oil wash and then a couple of detail bits um but yeah i'm quite happy with the army and i am looking forward to adding some more stuff to it so i'm gonna get a lot of the stuff built that i've already got but then yeah there is there are a couple of the bigger uh like characters and the big monsters and stuff that i do want to add in um but for now well, i can i can do a 1500 point list quite easily with the stuff that i've already got um so uh, out yeah. of curiosity how long did it take you to paint uh so the army that i've got the 600 point army that i've got now took me mm-hmm. Uh, I started it the Wednesday night and painted the four up, and then I'd finished it by the Sunday. So you were angry for like five days? No, no, I was only angry painting on the Wednesday night. The rest <laughs> of the time was fine. Oh, right. Um, oh, you did. I, I, I fully envisage you waking up angry, getting down there. No, no, no. So <laughs> I, 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 I painted the four that I'd got built, that I'd been using as test models, did those Wednesday night. Thursday night, I sat and built the rest of the models that I needed to do for my army. Uh, Friday night, I primed them all. Uh, and then Saturday and Sunday, I painted them. And then I finished the last two off, which were the two characters, the Shaman and the uh, Potgrat. I finished those off on Wednesday night this week. So lesson learned we've from this is uh, while Pickle's experimenting, leave him alone because he is an angry man. 
But you do get a bucket of beans after it. Exactly. <laughs> and a belt. <laughs> and with that amazing mental image uh, instilled in everyone's minds, uh, I think it's about time that we moved on to the main topic. So this week, the main topic um, is a bit of a funny one. Uh, not a funny ha-ha, uh, funny because it's <laughs> us that's discussing it. Um, <laughs> so the topic that we're going to talk about this week is uh, the the meta for Warhammer 40k. We're going to talk about the meta, we're going to talk about codex creep, we're going to talk about balancing. Uh, all these amazing, lovely topics that uh, streamers <laughs> and gamers love to talk about at length. And we thought it'd be uh, amazing for, for, four, for three people that don't play competitively to talk about this. <laughs> um, so, and, and uh, poor Boffnet uh, has planned far more than me and Elston ever do mm. for the mm. topics on the show. And then what what happened two days before we recorded? Games Workshop <laughs> released an update and, and ruined his carefully planned notes. I spent four days watching meta videos, watching reports from Adepticon, <laughs> writing detailed notes about armies and all these sorts of stuff. And I'm like, there, there we are, there we are. Thursday, Games Workshop came along and nerfed it all. So, um, <laughs> but I think we can we can still talk about how they've nerfed it and how they look at the nerfing and the codex creep and why things have to be done, which is quite yeah. an important element. Absolutely, and I think the update actually came timed like quite well for considering what we were planning on talking about today because it's it's part and part. It's like part of the problem itself is the the way and, and stuff that stuff is updated. I say problem, like it, it can be looked at as a problem, I guess. Um, so, like first off, then I guess we should sort of set things up. Like, have either of you guys ever played, um, whether, whether it's current edition or older editions? Have you ever played in a competitive setting at all? Whether it's a one-off tournament or a league or anything? No, no. The only cool. thing we've done, well, I've done, was like a heresy kind of campaign tournament with all my friends, but it was very easy going and it was spanned over like eight weeks. Yeah. So, so I've only ever played, I've played in two tournaments previously, but this is like so fourth and, this is fourth and fifth edition. So it's not like Pickle it's pro. a recent thing. I, I'm definitely not a pro. Um, so they're the only times I've ever played in a competitive sense. And when I say I played, I played in a competitive setting. But I didn't take a competitive <laughs> list um, because I don't generally take competitive lists. I take like fluffy lists or just what looks cool. Um, I think one of the things that's put me off as well is, uh, is is what you just sort of alluded to there is the competitive nature of a tournament. And obviously it's going to be competitive, um, but I want to go there and have fun. And you see yeah. uh, forums and things on 40K tournaments going, it was all very salty and this got angry and this happened and stuff. And I think that potentially puts a lot of people off. And if you turn up and there's somebody opposite you who's meta chasing and has spent six, 700 quid of commission painting to get an army just to win the, the battle, you're like, are you actually in this hobby? You, you're enjoying a different element of a hobby that I do. So I think that can put quite a lot of people off to entering tournaments and things. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I, I'd weigh in on that as well. At the same time that a, um, the, this hobby is obviously, it's several different parts to it. It's obviously there's the creative aspect of it, but the painting, the assembling, stuff like that. The gaming aspect is a different mindset completely. Um, it's it's obviously we all enjoy playing games and stuff like that, 
but to actually compete is something else entirely in a, in, a, in a weird essence of like i want to win something it's, it's not like just like winning a game it's like i want to go take on multiple people and become the best um I, I, it's not always true some people will literally go to tournaments just to play games and that's that's absolutely fine but i would say a good majority of people are going in there to try and see how they can do and how they can like rank themselves up effectively exactly mm. it's also that that scary thing of just not wanting to look like a noob you, <laughs> right? you see and and delving in this last week to the murky world of meta podcasts and streams and twitch and stuff like that and watching these people just sit there rattling off of course we've got two plus thing for that and that, that that and that comes out and that counts as that and don't forget you can do that and that and that in order and i'm still sat there looking up what i need to roll to hit you know it's, <laughs> it's like i don't want to look like that idiot who doesn't quite know the name of his unit um, do you, yeah do you do you think these people though the people that stay in touch with the matter completely like i don't know how they remember it all no like it is it, beyond my capabilities as a person to go right i can remember all the rules for all the codexes and all the units to know how to best play my army that's got to be a dedication right that's <laughs> the thing is though it's just a different part like to to place a not devil's advocate, but it's like this is it's the same as we do with the hobby side. Like, yeah, if I said to you, Oh, I need to paint such and such, you could go, Oh, well, this paint from this company would be really good, or like maybe do this or try this technique or whatever. Like, it, it just it's just you learn by repetition and by doing and by trying things. And yeah. I think once you've got the base knowledge, just the updates and the things just add a layer on top of that. So, mm. people like us who sort of look at it from a completely starting start point of view go my god that's a lot but if you've continually been doing it and playing you're just changing numbers you're just tweaking stuff continuously rather than learning a whole new block in one go yeah but that, 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 go on uh, sorry i was just gonna say i don't want it to come across in uh when i say it's a, a dedication i don't want it to come across as a negative connotation it's more a case of like I, I'm dedicated to painting stuff, and people have seen my stuff. Yeah, that's that. so. It's again, it's it, as you say, it's a different shift, but it's a dedication because you'll probably find that maybe they're not so into the creative side of the hobby. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. watching said so, because having spent a week watching it, I'm now an expert. Um, <laughs> you get lots of these guys are talking on their podcasts and streams and things about how they want to try and paint stuff and how they want to do bits a little bit better. Um, mm. And I, I, I do think there is that element of a lot of game, um, a lot of these really, really high level meta gamers and people who understand things and tournament organizers and stuff possibly don't have that amount of time to do the hobby mm. so a lot of them are saying well i had this commission done for me but i would like to try and paint so it is an interesting other size to where we look at it from yeah yeah it's just it's as like a, the other side of the mirror yeah just as a funny aside to that don't you find it amusing that like competitive players will often commission people to uh paint and build and, and and their armies and stuff but people mm. that do like high-end painting don't commission people to go and play with their armies <laughs> i mean that's just a weird thought <laughs> go play this game for me <laughs> i mean it's, it's you're basically saying that you're malcador and everybody else is the emperor yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no that, that that sort of um that sort of knowledge that is needed for 
Like for, for, I mean, you can go to a tournament. Like anyone can go to a tournament, and just go and have you know, go and have a laugh. But if you're like properly into the competitive scene or wanted to get into it, you don't just need to know your army and what it can do. Mm-hmm. You also need to know every Everyone possible else. combination yeah. that's going to come at you for all the other armies and know how to counter it. Like, yeah. and that's the that's the part that scares me. It's not knowing my army because like. I don't. I don't get to play very often, but I. I like to think that I've got a fairly decent knowledge of how my army works, and how to play it. But then I have no idea how like Chaos Space Marines play it, or demons, or like any of these other things like Tyranids. I have no idea what Tyranids can do or can't do. So it was really impressive watching these live reaction videos to the data slate drop. Um, of people, and um, certainly these sort of American guys who were sitting there with their morning coffee, woken up at seven in the morning, reading this oh. data slate and going, oh yeah, well of course that one had that. How would that work with so-and-so's response to what? And the, as you said, they knew every permutation for every army. It is massively impressive how these guys have got that knowledge in their heads. It's, a, it's just a weird thing that I, I've noticed in uh, generalistic terms and stereotyping. So please don't anyone take this as gospel. I find the uh, the people in the US in America are on the edge of competitive. They're a slight bit more competitive than a lot of people. Now, that's not true for all. By all means, there are a lot of people in the UK and everywhere else in the world that are competitive. But I think it's like in American culture, competitiveness is kind of a staple diet. It's kind of from what the attitude of a lot of things I get is uh, America is a competitive place. Uh, again, not a, not trying to put a no- negative connotation on it. It's just a they're like we like to play, we like to win. And you're like okay, wow, like ah uh, yeah. But for someone who is not competitive like myself, it's a it's a complete like I I don't understand this. It's like a weird thing, right? I mean, Sorry. I've certainly not got on my to-do list to go to America to play a game. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, think on, uh... on the topic of, um, like, the people, like you, like you mentioned, Buffnet, uh, the, the people live reacting to the data slate and instantly thinking, oh, well, how will it work with this and how will it work with that? Sort of leads me on to uh, the next part of this discussion, which is the fact that we have to have these sort of data slates and updates and FAQs and stuff. And one of the the hot topics amongst uh, competitive streamers in being <laughs> what 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 the fuck games workshop um, <laughs> so it, it's it's a hot long topic. it's a long running it's a long running thing of like the fact that games workshop doesn't seem to be able to balance 40k um we've all heard of sort of codex creep uh new codex comes out it's the best the next codex comes out it's the best um until you know six weeks or so later and they get a massive nerf to the stuff that was making it the best and it completely swings in the other way now my question is if we've got all these people out there that can sit and live react to something that they didn't know was coming that's literally just dropped on them and they're instantly going, oh, yeah, well, this will work with this, and this will do that, and this will do that. Why doesn't Games Workshop seem to, you know, do this before they put codexes mm. out and, and limit uh, the amount of updates needed and try and, you know, work through? I, I, know, think- I, know, I know that it's not – I know, like, just to caveat that, I know that, like, realistically, it is almost impossible to balance a game that is the size of 40K, but it's – 
it's not the fact that we have the updates. It's the fact that they, when they do come, they sort of tend to swing so far back in the other direction that it's kind of like, why did you think this was a good idea in the first place? I, I've I've got an idea on this one because I I believe it or not I've actually been watching the meta quite a lot. I've been keeping up with rules and stuff like that. Um, not playing it, just looking at it and a distinct pattern from an abstract point of view because that's all I'm looking at it as because there's no way I'm keeping all these rules in my head, is Games Workshop have tried for years and years and years now to make it balanced and to come up with a flavorful army that is strong, but unique, but isn't too strong, you know, isn't like too overpowered. And I think someone in Games Workshop just lost their marbles or just gave <laughs> or just gave up and went, you know what? Fuck this. Alright, I'm we're done. Right. There's no point anymore. There's no point in trying to make this game balanced. Let's not do that anymore. Right. What we're gonna do is we're gonna make it batshit crazy. And they're leaning into it on a monstrous scale, which I love, by the way. Because, like, night weapons, where they're dishing out 16 mortal wounds or something like that from one gun, you're like, seems a bit broken to me. Seems a little I, bit broken. I think you but, have to look at it not in... Sorry. No, there was... Um, the, the other thing I just wanted to tag on the end of that, though, is they've just released it, and now I think they're just tweaking it as and when... I think they've developed a new format of tweaking it as well. But we'll go into that. I'll let, I'll let Bofnet say his piece next. Yeah, it, I think you have to look at what Games Workshop are doing, not in using 40k as isolation, but in mm. taking into account AOS as well. Um, and it's now time for me to start talking about our great Lord Sigma, let him into your lives, people. Um, <laughs> Age of Sigma was an interesting thing, because when, you, when you've got a game system, there are only three ways that you can control the balance. You can either scrap it and start again, you can mm -hmm. nerf, or you can codex creep. Um and Age of Sigma was interesting because when they got rid of a world that was and started this new round, everybody went, oh, you know, it's terrible, it's terrible, it's awful. But they really focused on the gaming and the law almost sort of came secondary to that. Now mm -hmm. we're in the third edition. It's a quicker, simpler, easier thing, but there are much more dice rolls. And when you get more dice rolls, you get more chance and you get more excitement because everything comes down to, right, I've got. 20 hits now and now i've got 30 hits and stuff still with 40k you've got one one dice one dice and if you can buff that one dice you've got more of a chance of getting your results so if you're a meta player you work out how to make that one dice more favorable mm -hmm. if suddenly the person you're shooting or attacking has got more dice to defend and more wounds to defend you've got to get more dice yes so a lot of the older armies, um, as a guard player, I, uh, you know, <laughs> put myself <laughs> firmly in that category with a five-year-old codex, um, yeah. are not balanced for the modern game, where Games Workshop has started putting 40k, as you say, into 15 attacks, 10, you know, 10 dice, 20 dice, 30 dice. The older factions are struggling massively with that because they've still got one wounds, they've still got five, six plus saves and stuff like that. So if you, when you look at the meta tables and how people are performing, it's the older codexes that are at the bottom. And all the playtesting is done with the newer codexes against the newer codexes, and they all tend to be at the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So working towards edition 10, which I think they're sort of aiming at doing, 
And by the way, Games Workshop, Jarvis, if you're listening, if you don't call it Edition uh, X, you are missing out on something big. Then. <laughs> uh, um, Warhammer X. X. I think they're almost <laughs> abandoning the, the older codexes and just going, they're going to be rubbish until we do the new codexes. Um, And then trying to get everything in this new, almost AOS style of more dice, more dice, more wounds, more dice, more chance to kill, more chance of chance taking an effect in the game, rather than meta players knowing what they're doing, one dice roll, I'm going to get four buffs on that dice roll so you can't counter it. Mm -hmm. See, the, the cynical part of me, and this is this is the cynical part of of myself, and 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 I'm I'm certainly not alone in this uh, way of not thinking. Not the positive part, the cynical no, part. No, the cynical part. Um, I and so is, know what you're going to say. It's not it's not a, it's not a part of it's not it's not something that I particularly necessarily believe, but just to sort of play devil's advocate and sort of voice the opinion that is quite strong out there, is that the reason the new codexes are so overpowered and so good is so that people will go out and buy the new codexes and new models oh, and new armies. Yeah. And then yeah. the reason why they then nerf them, that the reason they're so... Because like really, like Harlequins, for example, when they were playtesting that, even if they were playtesting it against the newer stuff and not even taking all the stuff into account, the, the fact that that came out and was so overpowered and stuff was so cheap... I mean, how many points has the, the vehicle uh, thing has gone up by? Void weavers were the one that people were spamming. So a yeah. void weaver was ninety points each, um, and you and could have three units of free on the table. And they've now gone up to one hundred and thirty. Yeah, so like that's a <laughs> massive increase in points. Like at some point before that codex come out, someone must have looked at that and gone, "These are cheap. People are going to spam them." I, I don't uh, uh, believe that a company the size of Games Workshop can get it and and not think about that because to me, if you if playtesting stuff, you would go to the extremes and you would go right. People are going to take loads of these. How will that overpower games? You know, you know what? I'm going to counter that and I'm going to say no, they didn't because I have a I have a reason why I think they wouldn't. And uh, again, I'm playing a little bit of a devil's advocate here as well. You're I, playing devil's advocate to my devil's I, advocate. Exactly, a double advocate. <sighs> double devil. Double is, devil. Is there a devil's advocate meta that we can now nerf here? Possibly, <laughs> possibly. So um, this is going back to my, my point where, again, I think Games Workshop have just given up trying. And I'm guessing... Either I don't know how big the teams are for playtesting, and I know they use outside sources and stuff like that, but I fully anticipate that they've kind of got to the stage in the mindset of going, no matter what we do, we're going to be wrong. So we can either spend ages trying to balance this out against everything else, doing everything else, or we can make it absolutely insane, and then we'll just deal with the consequences afterwards. And... I, I believe that's what I honestly believe that's kind of their approach to it now because they're they like right, also okay. only play test against the recent codexes. Yeah. So when they play test, they will play test the new codex against the last six, eight, ten codexes. So some mm-hmm. of the older stuff will just get completely ignored in play testing, and that's why those are bad in the meta. So when you've yeah. got a strong codex come out like. Grey Knights um, and Tau, and you do the Aldari playtesting, the Aldari against Grey Knights is a decent match. 
So you look at your playtesting and go, okay, that's, that's you know, I'm sorry, passably a little bit strong. We might nerf that a bit, but that's a decent match. Then you throw into their Imperial Guard and Chaos Space Marine and you go, oops. Yeah, <laughs> right. Here's the thing on a logistical standpoint as well. So say for like Games Workshop is a multi-million slash billion pound company. Um, and everyone's working towards a target at the end of the day. That's that's the whole thing with big companies like that. You're working to a timescale, a a, a a target, effectively, of what you have to achieve. Now, if your boss comes and goes, right, okay, you've got a year to play test this thing with the upcoming codexes and XYZ. Now, if you come back and you say to the boss, this is going crazy, right? Like, we can't balance this against this. And they're, okay, what resources do you need to make it more balanced? You've got more people. So more people means more time, more wages, everything, X, Y, Z. Um, everything starts increasing. Also, as well, there's going to be a side mandate off of it saying, like, this kit's, or for example, this starter kit's been out for ages. Everyone's done with buying it now. No one needs to buy anymore. And we're sold out of this unit. So what we need to do is we need to flip it so... The sold-out units, the ones that you can better get, are no longer in that kind of demand, and we need to make other things which we've got excess of become more in demand, effectively. So they, I fully anticipate there are these kind of briefs, and if, on a manager's perspective, you were looking at your playtesting team, and you go, right, what, what's your results out of this? Uh, what have you got? And they go, right, okay, well, this doesn't work, this does work, and they'll go, right, what do you need to actually, how much more time do you need to get this done? If they say, okay, another three months, that will delay schedules and all kinds of things. So I fully anticipate the managers, or possibly even, or in a joint concert, everyone's gone, no, no, we're not going to do this anymore. Right, make that one awesome, make that one less awesome. And then... I Send it to playtesters, and then off it goes. I think you've also got to, um, at time of recording, if you're listening to us in the future, um, we are still in the grips of a thing called a pandemic. Um, <laughs> and you look at things like Aldar have been happening over the past 18 months. You have to get the models out for the playtesters to use. So mm -hmm. that would have been happening six months ago, a year ago. So you would have still, certainly for this current crop of stuff, you would have still had that thing of actually getting playtesters in the room together rolling dice was a bit of an issue. We know right. last year there were times when the Games Workshop factory had to shut because they had COVID outbreaks. So again, if you're looking at the models being produced were delayed by two weeks and then the playtesting was delayed by another three weeks and that mm. deadline doesn't change the playtesting gets truncated it gets shrunk down so you yeah. sort of go we'll throw it out in the beta state and then nerf it later i mean yeah. i'm not i'm not going to downplay like the effects that covid will have had on stuff like this but if we're all completely honest it's not like this is a new issue that's just occurred no. since covid yeah. like codex, codex creep yeah. has been a thing since i started 20 years ago <laughs> it's just got worse and worse and worse as time's gone on no. and i think we should have caveated this at the beginning of the segment like we're not negative against Games Workshop. We're not like anti Games nope. Workshop. Oh, I'm, I'm going to boycott. We're not. We're not those sorts of people. We all collect, build, paint, play with a hell of a lot of Games Workshop stuff. Probably more than we should do. So probably. just to caveat that, we we're not you know anti Games Workshop. We're not generally negative on Games Workshop. This is just one of those topics that comes up a lot in the community. And especially with sort of the more recent releases, it does seem to be 
being vocalized a hell of a lot more so it was something i want i wanted to look at it as a an outsider to the competitive scene um and it has been interesting like uh, as as we've all done is like looking at you know streamers that talk about it on a regular basis and and videos that talk about it on a regular basis and just taking a look at it and i think any game system will have will have these issues as well um mm-hmm. you look at anything that's coming out there will be balance issues um i know arc world players and stuff are say oh yeah well they've, they've just done this quick update and stuff like that with games workshop as you say it's a multi-billion pound company these things are bigger there are more people the voices are louder when there's a slight issue one thing i will say the games workshop do do is they do tend do 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 tend to listen (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) they do tend to listen to the gamers um and this data slate that was released this week is a is a classic example of that yeah they saw from Adepticon another result, another tournaments that the second they released the Aldari um, thing and people got onto what Harlequins can do, their win rate went up to like 75% or around that area. Mm-hmm. And Game Shop Shop looked at that and they looked at the results and went, oh yeah, okay. Talked to a couple of people in the community and went, what, what should we do? How do we do this? Okay, let's balance everything out. And the response to that data slate has been apart from Eldari players, has been fantastic across the meta. Everybody's been going, this is brilliant. They've listened to us. They've understood what was wrong with the current situation and done things to fix it. Now, that's not to say that within two weeks, some very clever people will have worked out some little nerfs, uh, some other things that they mm-hmm. can do. And, and my, I know my Imperial Guard Discord, where I sat up until two o'clock in the morning with some people in our codexes trying to work out new voice of command rules and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. So people will always find a way around stuff and no amount of playtesting will get around that because you've suddenly got a million players worldwide who are trying to exploit every little glitch that they can. But at least watching what goes on in the community and watching the results of these tournaments and looking at these results and things and adapting is something that they do do well. Do 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 do. So, <laughs> so that, that, that's the thing, and I, th- and I think realistically, if like if you looked at it from an objective point of view, like realistically, like forty k is way too big a game to be able to completely balance. Like, there's always yeah, going to be stuff that is better than other stuff. And that's just the, the fact that each army has got so many different choices just within that one army, and then there's like however many different factions there are. It is yeah. a massive game, um, and the more the more the community demands that, the more the community want varied objects, varied rules, varied um, stratagems, and more and more and more of this. The more possibilities there are for the game to break. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I, he's, I'm going to actually compliment GW on their new way of updating and stuff because that's the quickest turnaround I've ever seen on like oh, yeah. fixing something. Yep. I was like. That is impressive, actually. They've seen something broken and fixed it within a couple of weeks or whatever. And I'm like, well done. <laughs> like, this is kind of what I think everyone wants now. It's like these broken things to be rectified in a in a in a way. I, I mean, obviously, the people who are winning, no, they're not going to be happy about it. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, else at, is. I'm at this point going to talk to you about our Lord God and Savior Sigmar again. Um, <laughs> and I think the way that they're running Age of Sigmar is fantastic, that they respond really quickly to issues in Sigmar. So this um, a a couple of weeks ago, they brought out a new balance thing for Sigmar as well. 
Um, and I've just lost it on my iPad here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they introduced this uh, thing called Hunters and Prime. Right. So they again looked at the meta and looked at what was happening in tournaments and realized that some units were OP and people were spamming these units and some armies were weak. So they introduced mm-hmm. a thing called Prime Hunters and um, uh, sorry, Prime Targets and Hunters. So it's just, again, like a data slate. And now certain units give you extra victory points if you kill them in a battle. So if you uh. rock up with Fulminators, so for Stormcast, mm-hmm. Fulminators and Longstrikes are the ones that have been meta, everybody's been spamming, and they've been doing all the damage. So now Games right. Workshop has said, okay, you can still use these. We're not going to increase the points value. We're not going to change the rules. But if your opponent kills one of them, they get one extra victory point. Uh. And then they've looked at the armies that are weak. So things like Gloomspike, Gits, um, uh, is, is sort of the, the big one and night haunt and they said right if you're f- playing one of these armies that are weak and you kill one of these units that are overpowered you're going to get two victory points wow. mm. so if you now rock up a, a tournament with a night haunt army and you're playing stormcast and stormcast guy has got three units of long strikes and three units of fulminators um, uh, if you destroy those you're suddenly getting 12 extra victory points over what you've got would have got for playing the battle normally yeah. so it's a really cool way of going okay we're just going to buff the victory points we're not going to change we're not going to nerf stuff we're not going to increase points value because there'd be a lot of um sons of beaver players who'd be really angry if they suddenly put the points value up for a lot of those guys because yeah. you wouldn't be able to afford an army um because they're four five hundred points a model so you can increase the points somebody's wasted 500 quid in an army that they can't use so you just make it that in a competitive match those give the opponent more victory points so now nice. you have to think am i going to use those units if i am going to use them do i defend them how tactically do i keep them away from the enemy to protect those victory points yeah it's like a nerf by situation yeah absolutely yeah rather than the models and stuff themselves that's a really interesting way of doing it uh, well done games workshop again <laughs> yeah well done games workshop everything is right with the world <laughs> so i think I think we've sort of really talked about everything we can talk about with it. Like from our yeah. perspective, as people that don't play competitively, um, yep. lo- looking in from sort of behind, looking in through the window at the sort of carnage that is the current uh, <laughs> Games Workshop 40k meta. Um, and the, the final parting uh, thought on all of this is that I'm, re- I'm just really glad <laughs> that... I don't play competitively <laughs> and that I just sort of <laughs> like rules come out and I go, Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's cool. But then that's about it. And I don't really get worked up about it. And I don't really get angsty about it because I'm too, I'm too concerned about, Oh, I need to get this highlight done on this model. Um, and I just, I just game for fun. Um, yeah. You say Mr. that, but after, I'm getting into Age of Sigma. Yeah, mm. after I won on the final dice roll last night, and there was two minutes where he sat in a chair just staring at the board, I'd say there was a <laughs> bit of angstiness going on there. <laughs> um, so that was our main topic. Have you guys got anything you want to say before we, we wrap this section up? 
No, not really, apart from the excessive amount of doo-doo, which I applaud again. <laughs> yeah, well um, I'd just like to say Age of Sigmar, I think, is a fantastically balanced game. Get into it, and please can we have a new guard codex? Yeah, <laughs> that's got to be on the way soon, right? I've like got people been saying army, that so... for years. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's like World War One. it'll be over before Christmas. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was our main topic. Uh, if you've got any thoughts, anything you'd like to share, any ideas, anything you'd like to correct us on, uh, be sure to drop your comments down in the comments below uh, or on the uh, dis- on the discussion channel over on the Pickle Jar Discord. Link for that will be in the description. Mm. Now it's about time that we moved on to uh, Elston's uh, happy place section of the podcast. Uh, That being Snack Attack. Uh, This is a section of the show where we rate and review uh, wargaming snacks. Um, These are viewer and listener suggestions uh, that we try, uh, sometimes live on the podcast, sometimes we try them aside from the podcast, uh, and then we give them uh, scorings. Uh, as a wargaming snack and what we mean by wargaming snack is that it's something that you would uh, put in your face whilst playing your favourite tabletop game yeah <laughs> stick in your face uh, now this week we are trying out another uh, listener suggestion uh, in the form of uh, well I've got Walker's tomato ketchup flavoured crisps I have a story <laughs> So the the original suggestion from this was for Lay's, uh, which is a brand uh, in Europe, I believe, yep. um, of crisps. Uh, they look nigh on identical to Walker's crisps, which we have in the UK. Um, but apparently they're not. Anyway, I thought we had to get the exact brand. So I ordered some off of Amazon and I thought I was getting a multi-pack but I didn't, I got like a big pack and I it's it's from France it's uh Le How Chips many packets of crisps have you got? Uh, no, no, I've got I've got one, I've just got one right, it's Les Chips Préferies de Français Les Savieux Ketchup um ingredients de qualité um, however I'm Fully admit, I've made a I've made a doo doo. Um, I ordered these. Uh, this this one packet of crisps cost me five pounds. Wow! <laughs> wow! I mean, wow. that's one. I thought we had to do the brand, so that was the only place I could find them. So I ordered I ordered a multi pack. I ordered six packets uh, of Walker's uh, tomato ketchup flavored crisps. But I've got a packet, and, and Buffner has got a packet as well. Um, and these cost me, uh, I think it was about the same as you paid for your one packet of crisps uh, that I got my multi-pack if, for. If these crisps suck, I'm going to lynch someone. I've got a packet of walkers from downstairs and they cost me nothing. Yeah. Uh, uh, right. So we have got, um, while you guys start opening and, and, and trying these, we've got um, a new it's rating not, system. my prawn cocktail. <laughs> Sorry, we've got a new a new rating system uh, that we're using. So we're still going to do the overall score, which is out of ten, uh, using whole numbers, not uh, decimal points. Uh, but we've also got our individual scores for the uh, finger residue uh, thing. Con- was it contamination? Was it? That's it. Was finger it? residue contamination. Uh, the yep. weight to chew ratio uh, and yeah. the oil. Uh, the oil index. oil index. Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, so they're different things. So that is uh, how oily the, the food is uh, in your mouth or on your fingers. Uh, finger residue is like if there's like dust. So if you were eating Watsits, for example, they're quite uh, dusty. They would rate quite low or quite high. I don't know. Which is the bad version? Is it low or high for finger residue? Um, I, think, want... I think low is probably a bad number, isn't it? Because you've got lots of stuff on your finger, so it's bad. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. So lower score yeah. is, is bad. Higher score is better. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep, and, then, yep. and then weight to chew is basically... Um, how you much... are talking to the inventor of a weight to chew ratio here. Yeah, that is correct. Buffnet uh, suggested this in the discussion, yep. and it has now uh, become a staple. <laughs> um, I think in my mind, the weight to chew ratio is the more chews you have per weight, the better. Yes. So, so it maintains the chewing for a longer period of time. Yeah, it's basically how chewy is it. Yeah, yeah. These these are not that chewy because they're crisps. Well, they're, they're crisps, aren't they? So, um, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll let one of you two speak now because I'm gonna try no. some now. No, I got I'm a mouthful little. of crisps here. Um, okay. right, I'll talk a little bit. Um, um, well, I, I can do a hilarious anecdote from the 80s about tomato-flavoured crisps, if you want. Go for it. Yeah. Um, back in the 80s, um, they used <laughs> Smith, it is. Smith's Crisps, who did the salt and shake crisps, did yeah, a yeah. flavour and shake crisp. Oh. And you got a multi-pack of 12 completely plain crisps. And mm-hmm. in there, there were little sachets of flavour. Oh. So you could add in, like, um, basically powdered E-numbers um, <laughs> into your crisps, <laughs> shake it all up, and get whatever flavour you wanted. And part of that was tomato-flavoured crisps. So the mm. tomato ketchup was around in the 80s. Now, as a small child in the 80s, I was very, very sensible and obviously only put one sachet in a packet of crisps, did I? Mm. Did I, egg? <laughs> Me and my mates would just put all 12 sachets in one packet, shake it up, and then Whoa. run around like Habu uh, being a hummingbird in The Simpsons while my, poor <laughs> had, while my poor dad had to eat 11 packets of plain crisps for the rest of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so Amazing. tomato ketchup crisps are something of a bit of a trip down memory lane for me. Ah, well, right, interestingly, well. those Smiths ones as well, they are... Uh, they, uh, did you find... Um, they never quite worked, did yep. they? Because you, you pour them in the top, the top ones get absolutely coated, and the bottom yep. one's got nothing. And even though you shook for ages, it's still like it would sort of just stick to the top layer. You're like right. totally, and, and I mean the, the finger residue thing for that would have been off the chart. It would have been <laughs> yeah, right. horrendous. Right. Well, mm. I mean, I've nearly eaten my entire packet. Um, <laughs> what? Are you muting yourself? I haven't heard you no. chew at all. How are it's, you? Um, are you still like these. chewer? These are nice. Do you have you got some magic gift to eat crisps really quietly? I just don't chew with my mouth open. What do you just swallow crisps like a snake? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hang on, hang on. Is this an, is this an about ramming crisps down your throat? I never thought I'd be brought onto this podcast to discuss how quickly Josh swallows. Mm. Um, so. I've got a story oh, quickly before you go, Pickle. Okay. Uh, me and my friends once, one of my friends, um, we figured out that we could swipe, uh, swipe, you know those cocktail sausages? Oh, my God. <laughs> we, figured that, we figured you could swallow them whole. And we're like, cool. Right? So we figured that, and we did that, and we're like, cool. What else can we swallow whole? And oh you know God. the little cocktail <laughs> sausage rolls? The little ones you cook in the oven? I was like, I bet you can't do one. And he's like, I bet I can. 
He nearly it's, died. It's grim down south, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. He did nearly die, though. I had to actually give Once him upon a time, <laughs> on a summer eve, me and my friends sat around and discussed, what can we swallow whole? No, That's what Elson did last week. We hmm. should probably get off of Elson swallowing other people's sausages and get onto his expensive lays. <laughs> yeah, so... I think is, I mean, for me, these taste like tomato ketchup, but like not in an overly offensive way. They're they're quite nice. The flavor's nice on them. Um, it reminded start... me a little bit of prawn cocktail, mm. a little bit of something going on there. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure that's... prawn cocktail got like it's... ketchup flavor or something in it. It's that sweet tang, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, is right, that... right. Mm. So, I think we'll go around. We'll do a scores for the different things. So, mm-hmm. first first uh, score will be for uh, the finger residue uh, contamination. Now I'm getting quite a bit on my fingers here. Yeah, to be with you. I'm getting quite a bit on mine. I'm having to wipe my my hands off. Yeah. So yep. I would say that these are going to rate quite low on finger yeah. residue. I mean, most crisps do tend to, to be fair. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think that they're anything exceptionally bad. In terms of crisp, but like as a crisp, no. they do leave a bit. So I'm going to score them. I'm going to score them a four on the finger contam- uh, finger residue I was going contamination. To go with four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, four to three. Yeah, I'm I'm going to three because I think these are slightly more residue than salt and vinegar already salted or something like that. Mm. Right. Okay. So four for me and Elston, a three for uh, Boffnet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, wait to chew. Now again, I'm going to have Not to score much. it quite low. Again, it's, <laughs> it's a crisp. It's a crisp. It's not a negative mm. on the crisp itself. It is just that it is a crisp. And realistically, I, I've nearly eaten an... I mean, if I wasn't talking on a podcast, I would have eaten the entire bag, like, really quickly. Um, so, again, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with a three, I think, for weight-to-chew ratio. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably be even going to go two. There's, yeah. there's nothing really these... Yeah. Not, not that it's bad. It's a crisp. So yeah, it's, that's it. It's going to score, though. I'll, I'll probably go three because I'm having about three or four and a handful at a time. Ah, okay. so you're, you're, you're like you're like doubling up on stuff, yeah. I'm stacking. Mm. Yep. And then the uh, the oil index. Um, I don't really notice them feeling overly oily, like in my no. mouth or on my fingers or anything. It's more the sort of residue, but it's not an oily, uh, which crisps sometimes can be, especially cheaper ones. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to rate these quite. I'm going to rate these a bit higher on that. I'm going to rate them as a. I think I'm going to go with a seven uh, on the oil. I'm going to go with index. six. I think, but I think that could be because I've got a different. I think I've got a different brand, but I think it's about a six for me. Mm-hmm. It's it's not oily. I'm going to go seven. So your lays yeah, are a bit more oily. Yeah, um, uh, it so, might just be because I've eaten a lot of them. So maybe. <laughs> um, so there we go. Do you, do we st- do we still do overall scores or are we just yeah, doing the overall? Different? So yeah. overall score out of ten. I'm going to go with a. I'm going to go with a solid seven out of ten as a as a crisp. I think that they are. They're not the most amazing crisp I've had. They are perfectly acceptable. I would definitely eat the rest of the multi pack that I've got, uh, which I was worried about that I wouldn't like them. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm going to go go with a solid seven, which is a, a that is a good snack to have. Mm, I'm I'm going to go with. Um... I'm going to go with a six. I mean, I'm eating these like they're going out of fashion because I'm hungry. But the um, I think there are better flavours out there. So I'm, I'm, I'm also slightly bitter that I had to pay £5 for them. So um, 
<laughs> yeah, they're getting downgraded just on that factor. Brilliant. I, I think I'm going to go six as well. The flavor's lovely, um, mm. but I just think that I would rattle there through. There are better flavors. Yeah, I, and I would rattle through these in somebody else's movement turn. Um, mm-hmm. and and then would spend like their shooting phase licking my fingers. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, actually. Um, I've, I've not thought about it as a as a wargaming snack, which is kind of the point. Um, I've just thought about it as reviewing the crisps. Uh, so yeah, I guess as a wargaming snack, yeah, I'll probably I'm going to downgrade my score to a six as well. Um, we have nerfed it. It's been nerfed. You have responded to the community and have nerfed. Yeah, quicker response time than Games Workshop as well. So, because um, we we've nerfed it before, we've put the the information out there. Uh, we've play tested these crisps. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there we go. Sixes across the board for the tomato ketchup flavored crisps. Uh, me and Buffnet have got Walkers. Elston has got Lays. Um, lesson here is just follow the link that I send you rather than uh, mm. searching it out yourself. Elston um, likes, an, mm, Elston likes mm, an expensive lay. So there we I go. I do that- <laughs> like an expensive lay. Mm. Uh, so there we go. That is the uh, that is the snack attack section for this podcast. Um, we'll put the scores up on the Discord. Uh, they'll be spoiled for the first week, and then that'll be removed so that uh, it gives people time to experience the scoring live on podcast rather than getting it spoiled on the on there. Uh, if you've got your own suggestions for stuff you want us to try. Um, drop them in the Snack Attack Suggestions channel on Discord or leave a comment down below and uh, we will work through those as and when we can. Uh, we've already got the next one lined up for the next episode, which is the uh, Jealous Sweet. Sweets uh, Tangy Worms. Uh, I've already I'm, eaten two packets of them. I've not eaten any yet. Um, mm. I've, uh, so I've got three packets. I've given a packet to Wendy and I've got two packets mm-hmm. sat and I keep, I've been so tempted to try them. But I'm like, nope, I'm going to wait and try them live yeah, on stream. Yeah, heads up on it, dude. They're awesome. Are they nice? But, oh, um, okay. Uh, well, we'll yeah, save yeah, yeah, that yeah. for the next you, episode. Well, we'll still <laughs> eat, oh, I'm, still, I'm saving a packet for the episode, but yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, um, and, yeah. and also, just on a uh, calling back to our uh, first, no, our second uh, Snack Attack episode, um, mm. I'm currently sat next to a 12-pack of Jack Link's Beef jerky uh, that yeah, Buffett has brought me up uh, as a as a gift. Um, I love that stuff. Thank you so much to uh, Buffett for suggesting that we try beef jerky. It has now become a staple part of my diet. Uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not sure. But there we have it. One are packet you, is twenty. Sa- Sorry, I was just going to say, are you saying that Buffett Buffett gave you meat? Yes, jerky meat. Yep. Yep, I gave him I gave him jerky, which is twenty five percent of his daily intake. Yeah. Yeah, there we go, and that jerk me uh, on that bombshell yep. that wraps up the uh, snack attack section of the show. Mm. Now we are on to <clears throat> now we're on to the uh, final section, uh, which is the uh, story time section, which is where we recommend a book or an audio book. Um, or and and I'm going to caveat this as well for for future episode planning ahead. Um, this can be any sort of reading material. Um, now I don't mean like menus and stuff, um, but like I read a lot of comic books, so I'm going to sort of include them. Menus, yeah, well, it's reading, isn't it? Um, so I'm going to caveat and say this is this this is it's not just restricted to sort of Warhammer. Uh, centric stuff this can just be for books in general that's absolutely fine this is just what we recommend and, and or what i've tried recently and finally 
I have a book to suggest that I have just finished reading. Um, this is one that has sort of been, I've been reading on and off for a while. Uh, I sort of dropped off it because I was busy and then I've, I've got back into it and I've blitzed through the rest of it uh, over the last week. And that is The Infinite and the Divine, uh, which is uh, an absolutely fantastic Necron book uh, focused around Oricon the Diviner and Trazin the Infinite. I had an absolute blast reading this book. I absolutely love it. It is hilarious. Like, so much personality given to both those characters um, and the Necrons as, as, a, as a race, as a, a, an army in general. Um, and yeah, I, I had an absolute blast reading this. If, if you were to sum up this book in one word, it would be a yoink. Yeah. So it's uh, written by Robert Rath. Um, and was it Robert Rath or was it Robert Roth? Robert Rath. It is Robert Rath. I was correct the first time. Um, and it's a, it basically, if you, if you don't know who Trazin and, and Oricon are, and you want like a sort of real life analog, if you can just sort of sit and imagine uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Right. <laughs> that is that is what I would say is like a real life like compara- comparable. Um, I, I would I would go with a slightly different analogy. I would go with uh Brian Blessed and oh who else? Mark Hamill. Brilliant. It's just it's yeah. just two grumpy old men. <laughs> So without going too much into spoilers, um, because there's a few twists and turns, the book focuses around uh, these two characters that are just both grumpy old men. They hate each other because they both sort of stand for different things. Trazin is obsessed with the past and preserving the past, whereas Oricon, as a chronomancer, is obsessed with the future and like sort of seeing the future and planning ahead. They they clash, they don't get on, and they're both fighting over a, a MacGuffin, which... Um, is a thing to open a thing on a on a planet, and the whole story takes place over the course of about ten thousand years, um, from from sort of start to finish, and it, it sort of puts into perspective like Necron's perception of time, and yeah, I, I can't really go into too much more without going into spoilers, but the, it is hilarious the banter between the two of them, and the sort of just fuckery that they both go into messing with each other's plans and and stuff is is brilliant and I, if you're even slightly interested in necrons or even if you're not to be honest i would highly recommend this book i i particularly like listen to it the second time round um at first time i didn't really get the understanding of this book because i didn't understand the concept of humor in 40k it was just not like a registered thing and the second time around i was like the amount of times you hear one of them say you bastard it's just like yes (laughs) they're just two grumpy old men stealing from each other the the audiobook is voiced by richard reed richard green oh richard reed yeah richard Richard, reed sorry yeah richard reed um who also voiced the uh the two twice dead king books that are out so Mm -hmm. far uh the second of which i am currently reading um so yeah it is is fantastic the necron voices that he does i've i've not listened to the full audiobooks because i prefer to read books rather than listen to them but i have listened to some snippets just to to get an idea and he's a fantastic uh voice actor i yeah i do i the the, the whole concept of this book is um it's just it's so strange when you see like for example when they get taken to trial for yeah. like stealing from each other yeah and then it's just like one two of squabbling these, kids 
Yeah, yeah. One of them thinks it'd be real clever, and then the other one's like, oh, but um, oh, what was it? Yeah, because um, Trazin stole something from a, a tomb world that hadn't woken up yet. Yeah. And, and they were like, uh, what was it? Uh, he basically said he took it away because the tomb world was dead. And Horrican was like, but were they actually awake yet? And he's like, well, and he's like, so you took it away from them before they woken up? He's like, yeah, but they were going to die. So he's like, you took it away from them and you didn't tell them that they were going to die. And he's like, um, and the whole book is this kind of like, uh, yeah, uh, okay, uh, might have screwed up there. Yeah. And then, yoink. It is, it is brilliant. And it's like, it's not just Necrons. There's orcs in it. There's Eldar in it. There's Tyranids in it. There's Space Marines and humans in it. They, you know, it's, it is it is fantastic. I, I, I can't really recommend it enough. It is, it is quite easily one of the best 40K books that I have read. Um, yeah. Admittedly, I've not read tons, but I have read enough. Uh, and I do think this is, is one of the better ones. And again, it's if if again if you go through it the first time, and it doesn't make a great deal of sense, go through it the second time because it is infinitely funnier when second time round you're just like, oh okay, this makes a lot more sense now. So first time can be a little bit jarring because it's 4K and comedy. You're like, ah, uh, but then yeah, it's it's brilliant. Buffner, you've been uh, awfully quiet um, as a, a, a an avid Necron fan. Um, <laughs> considering one of your most complete armies is a Necron army, um, are you yeah, likely sh- to, to try sh- this? About that. Are you likely to try this book <laughs> at any point, or um, I'm probably not likely to try it. I mean, it does sound like waiting for Godot in space. Um, so if it's waiting for Rovo Gulliman or something, that'd be quite good. Um, and I did just have to Google if Richard Reed was Richard Reed the shoe bomber, and it is not. It is a different Richard Reed. Um, <laughs> so, it's um, also it's, not the uh, leader of the Fantastic Four. Um, no, no, mm, uh, no. Other Richard Reeds are available. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not. I mean, listening to you eulogise about it, it might be something that. I, potentially falls across the old audiobook thing at some point um i will have to say at this point i get my 40k comedy from uh, reading caiaphas kane books uh, okay. um, because they are just fantastic i love them and you can reread those again and again because they are just great so that's yeah. where i get my 40k comedy from that's uh, fair enough gotcha. well the, the one last thing i want to really uh, just sort of throw out there for people reading this book as well uh time is very um wibbly wobbly throw away uh well it's not even Fleeting. wibbly wobbly it's more it's it's very throw away so for example there's a point where they have an argument and it lasts five hours but they only say about four words so they're like someone will say something and then they'll wait for an hour and just look at each other and then they'll say something and the concept of time to them is i think yeah. this book spans over like ten thousand years mm-hmm. or something like that isn't it it's yeah something it's like, kind like of, it's, it's pretty much over the like uh uh the huge changes on this one it's all circle uh it's all centered around this one planet and the various mm. sort of stages of that planet's like life um, yeah. and like different inhabitants and different uh like geographical makeup and stuff and how it changes um yeah but yeah no like that that section that you were talking about where they're having the argument over like multiple hours and like just the way that that's written it's like so and so said like such and such 
and then five hours passed. And like, it's just it's so <laughs> deadpan, like, and so just blunt with it. It's it's not subtle. It's not like trying to make it artsy fartsy. It's just yeah. it took a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a, there's... it sounds like my last relationship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, there's, e- there's there's even a point in it where they mention the Horus Heresy, and they're having this little feud of stealing this MacGuffin. And there's a point where Trazen's like, yeah, but the Horus Heresy is more important, so I had to quickly do that and get all the stuff harvested from that and then then it carries on so yeah. there is a it's like i like it yeah they like, mentioned the horus heresies happened you're like okay <laughs> yeah it's like the start of every chapter and it's like the last chapter will have been like uh like three thousand years before the plot device <laughs> yeah. and then like the next chapter starts and it's like 500 years before the plot device it's like what that's like two and a half thousand years zip by um yeah it is, it's brilliant so that's the, the infinite and the divine like i said pick it up on book uh pick it up on audiobook uh the audiobook is a fantastic listen um mm-hmm. and uh, if you've got any suggestions or thoughts on this one or thoughts for stuff for us to try in the future drop them in the uh, podcast suggestions channel over on discord or in the comments down below and that about does it we have wrapped up we are at the end of yet another episode we've got a little bit longer on this episode i think it's just because of uh, how much we were enjoying ourselves uh, talking about the main topic um we've had a fantastic time i hope you guys have enjoyed listening to the podcast i hope you uh will if you have enjoyed it leave us a like subscribe review um and all that good stuff and uh, we're gonna wrap it up so over to my uh, esteemed co-host uh, of many many years uh <laughs> elston from elston nation where can people find you on the world wide web and uh yeah if you could see the pose i'm pulling right now it would be some glorious homelander kind of pose anyway <laughs> my name's elston you can find me on youtube at elston nation that's mainly where you find me there are there's a facebook page elston nation's minis but yeah if you ever want to drop us a line if you want to ask us questions either the pickle jar discord or my own facebook page or on youtube you know all the places that's that's social media in general uh that's where you can find me Cool. And uh, to our, our first ever esteemed guest. Uh, well, it's the first ever guest, and he is also an esteemed guest. Uh, maybe we'll have more esteemed guests in the future, but this is the first of birth. Uh, you might Bofta. have less esteemed guests. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, where can we find much. you? Um, basically, I, I, I don't do any content like that. So you can find me on Pickle's amazing Discord. I am there virtually all the time uh, modding that. And if I'm not there, I'll be at the bar. Brilliant. Nice. Uh, and as always, guys, you can find me over on the Pickle Jar YouTube channel uh, where I drop videos every couple of weeks or so, uh, or aim to. Uh, we also have the live stream channel, which is Pickle Vision. Uh, links for all these down below. The live stream channel, I live stream every Wednesday and every other Sunday morning. Um, and yeah, you can find this podcast uh, everywhere you find podcasts so, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, and also very soon, or while you're listening to this, probably. Um, well, it depends. You might already be watching this on YouTube. There is a YouTube channel coming. The channel is set up. We're sorting out a release schedule for older episodes leading up to the next one. Uh, so that is coming very, very soon. So links for everything will be in the description, in the show notes and everything. So just follow us wherever you would like. And uh, that about wraps it up. So we're going to love you and leave you. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 do. <laughs> This is the part of the show where we uh, we usually just sort of ramble a bit because, like the intro, we have got no idea what we're doing. 
I reckon I reckon what we should do is use Wargamers Anonymous, but also use your favourite 80s cartoon show catchphrase and put Wargamers Anonymous in there. Can you give us an example of how that works? <laughs> Wargamers Anonymous, roll out. Uh, I'm going to try no. and think of that. Uh, everything was quiet in the valley. That is until Wargame Anonymous woke up. <laughs> we could do like a Cards Against Humanity style Wargames Anonymous thing. Like, for example, um, what should you never put inside you? Wargame is Anonymous. I was about to say uh, cocktail sausages. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs>